But you're still quiet. <laughs> what if I talk louder? That can work. <laughs> I think I found the oddball. You sound normal now to me. Yeah, this sounds normal. You'll be fine. You almost sound louder than normal, but that could just be. <laughs> uh, it might be my turning off talking loud. <laughs> it's fine. In a few minutes. <laughs> Welcome back to Manga New Year's. My name is Corey, and April are with me. Hi, everybody. Hi. And, uh, wait, did we have an episode last week? I don't remember. Last time? Last regularly scheduled? I mean, we obviously have had a podcast prior to this one, because this is not our first episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, like, as usual, blah, 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 but then I didn't remember if this was usual or unusual. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, we're going to talk about an old series and a new series, as always. Our old series is Banana Fish, and our new series is uh, The Golden Sheep. Is, it, is there a the? There is a the. Okay. It is The Golden Sheep. The Golden Sheep. Uh, the two manga that you can uh, talk about through emojis, by way of emojis.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Banana Fish is a uh, Shoko comic from 1985 to 1994. It is by Akimi Yoshida, and it's about this dude named Ash Lynx. Um, he is a delinquent dude. He 18, 17, 18? 17 um, in the anime, at least. Okay. Yeah, I think he's 17. Yeah. Um, I didn't remember. If he's 17 at the beginning. His name is Ash Lynx. Uh, and he is a delinquent kind of person. Um, he runs a gang of teenagers in New York City. And he's caught up in this mystery of this thing slash person. They're not sure at the beginning that that is just called Banana Fit. Um, some random American, uh, some random person gave him a vial of stuff and just like vanished as he died and, and an address uh, in Westwood, California, my neck of the wood. Um, throughout this whole process, he runs um, some some new friends, uh, old friends, and other other things of the like. Um, the the main one is named Eiji. He's a 19 year old Japanese college student. He's a pole vaulter. He in the manga he kind of speaks in broken English. Uh, to convey that he is not that guy, and he has a bug, uh, Shuniki Ibe, who is a photojournalist who comes to do a story on the street gangs in New York City. And I have to say, I watched the anime of this. Uh, the anime adaptation is probably the better one, because the manga adaptation is uh, quite problematic in how it depicts uh, black characters. They are in the... Oh, yeah, I, rem- I remember people being glad that was changed in the anime, which yeah. is also updated to be taking place in the modern day, so... Yeah. Mm. Like obligatory cell phones and pictures, etc. Yeah. yeah, but that's basically a uh, gang war and former uh, boss. They said Golzine, said in my head. It's Japanese people trying to say an Italian name while yeah. everyone is actually in America, so who <laughs> knows where the bells are in that one? Um, Dina wants Ash to find out the mystery of Banana Fish. Big Brother uh, was deeply afflicted by manga in the Vietnam 90s Gulf. Uh, no, like, Corey, you just said it started in the 80s. It was obviously not. I, I think it was Vietnam, actually. Yeah, in the manga, it was anime they changed that to. No, I don't think it was even that. I think it was, like, the current, like, Afghanistan war. Did they? Okay, whatever it I was. I think so, because that that war started almost 20 years ago now. Oh, my God. And his brother looked the right age for that. Yes, I know. Um, His brother didn't look like, I mean, the Gulf War was 30 years ago. Yeah. 
And we should be clear at this point, it's it's pretty obvious pretty early on banana fish is a drug. <laughs> yeah. Banana the question is, drug, who's it. producing it? What are they trying to do with this? Are they just trying to kill people? Because it seems like a drug designed just to kill people. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I do not have time to read the manga, as I may have already said. I don't remember if I said that in the pre-recording or in the actual recording, but I have seen the anime. Uh, Ash and Eiji are very gay. I'm yeah. pretty sure they're supposed to be read that way. I think some people said that it like contributed to the rise of BL, but this the story also has a rather unsatisfactory ending, as I discovered in the anime. Yeah, oh, it seems like we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay, and wow, what the hell? <laughs> I think the story goes that the manga like, just wanted to end the series, so she did it kind of abruptly, <laughs> so... I didn't actually get to the end of... Um, but, Spoilers, uh, it ends. I will get to the end of the manga eventually. You could also get to the end of the anime, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's still on Amazon Prime. True. Um... Also, I have the hot take that I'm not a big fan of, like, late 80s, early 90s manga designs with everyone's, like, giant pompadours and everything, so I do, like, the updated designs for the anime much more. Okay, so I did love the aesthetic of the manga because I, I love... I did, too. Yeah, I love that look. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just uh, don't. I, I'll, I'll put up with it, but I just don't. <laughs> I understand how it could not be appealing to people. I've just never understood the appeal of a pompadour, you know? Mm-hmm. You got a poof of hair, but it's only in the front of your head. Like, just go all out or go home. I think since I watched uh, Yu Hawk Show as a very formative anime, I just love it <laughs> since Kumamara has that. <laughs> Corey, what's your aesthetic, Yu Yu Hawk Show? Yep. <laughs> and sport. Uh, but April, what about you? Have you read this before? Have you watched the anime? And what so do you think? I, I haven't read it before, but I watched all of the anime. I sort of just turned on the anime and thought I'd watch maybe a couple episodes, and I, I think. I blew through that in like a week and I wasn't I didn't know that it was still running so I had watched every episode through 25 and didn't realize that I like it was the week that the 26th episode came out so I watched the whole thing which is kind of a rarity for me nowadays um I really love it so I love the manga too but the anime the whole the whole series I, I love it a lot I was excited to to read uh the manga but I'm confused a bit by the accent so it seems like Edge's accent, like, is sort of there in the beginning, and then as I got first, so I'm through the third volume as of ten minutes ago, and it seems like his the 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 accent or broken English kind of changes a little bit as the series progresses. I don't know exactly what they were doing with that, and then you had the black character in the beginning, Skip, and he just. To me, he didn't speak realistically at all. I realized they were trying to go for some sort of black at first character. I'm like, this doesn't seem completely, this doesn't seem completely correct, at least to me. Um, but the rest of the series, I really, really, uh, the aesthetic of it, the story behind it, although I feel like it's a pretty dark story the further you get into it. Um, and I hadn't had an exposure to it at all before the anime, so I wasn't expecting all of that. All of that was new to me. <laughs> Yeah, I had heard some manga readers talking about it for years since this series was translated by Viz a number of years ago. So by the time I got into reading manga and such, it was mostly out of print. So people just talked about, oh, I wish they would do a new right. printing of this or even better, a new translation. Since I, you guys ha- have the volume, so you'd be able to better check than I do. But I sort of think there were multiple translators on this series. Mm. I think Rachel Thorne has said that she translated some of the volumes, but not all of them. So maybe that was part of the shift, just like a change in how to do Eiji's accent. Just, that's always so difficult, you know, to make the choice, you know, especially if it's like written in the original Japanese that Mm. Eiji isn't just not speaking good English. 
I just sort of liked how the anime decided to kind of ignore that. We're just going to assume <laughs> that Eiji speaks good at English just with an accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I generally love that word, and I'm like, well, that's extremely lazy, but I respect how I go through the mental energy of <laughs> getting through also, this. Also, I've seen a few series like um, Night Raid, where they actually tried to have the actors speaking like multiple languages as the story like moved around in Shanghai and everything. And oh boy, when they were in China, like the viewers who could speak Chinese were like, those were some bad accents. So. <laughs> So now we're just playing with that in manga form, I guess. I, I am a little disappointed that this chose not to retranslate this, since they announced, like, the day before the anime started, oh, yeah, we're going to, like, reprint this, yada, yada, yada. And then they put it out on digital a little while later. So a little disappointed on how they handled that. A bit confused as well. Um, I, I do plan to get to the manga at some point, especially since the anime is streaming on Amazon Prime but hasn't been licensed for, like, physical home media distribution by anyone so it'd be kind of nice to like have an actual copy of the series yeah yeah, yeah all of them yeah yeah, yeah they, they announced the print re-release like the day before i think and then they announced digital slightly later since people were like hey this is what it's like a 15 or 20 volume series 19. Can, can we 19 can we please like have a digital version of this as well yeah. my shelves are crying i don't have room <laughs> for this yeah that this one has always been hard to find like my library would had the majority of the volumes but not all of them and they were all spread across multiple branches so i was never able to like finish reading it so i never started because i don't even think my library has the first volume but they have a bunch of the other ones i think they've got maybe 13 out of 19 but not the first one so it's been it's it's been a hard series to find over there it's always been one that i'm interested in and that's why i started to watch it on amazon prime and so yeah i'm I'm glad to hear that they uh, put it out uh, they put it out in print. I just wish the digital maybe like had a bundle so that I didn't have to buy each volume individual. I wish they mm. kind of, I don't know if they do a lot of digital bundles, but I wish they had that where you could just buy it all in one chunk instead of me reading one and buying another one and another one and another one. Another one. Oh, since you guys have read the manga, I'll ask. Uh, when I saw people talk about the series over the years, I figured that they were just sort of talking about like headcanons that Ash and Aji were romantically involved and so I was really surprised when I got to the anime and I was like oh no like this is this is text this is not subtext is it like that in the manga as well is it pretty explicit that Ash likes Aji Aji likes Ash Ash has a terrible past that are not going to get involved probably but they really like each other (laughs) also Ash is underage let's not go there It's a bit early in the series. I think they definitely, I saw, I'm three volumes in, I think Corey's four. I mean, they definitely have a connection. Mm -hmm. And I can't really remember if the manga follows the anime like beat per beat, but they they definitely are connected to each other. I don't know how that's going to go. I'm not far enough ended to know. Yeah, uh, same. But at least in the fourth volume, they make, uh, other characters make explicit mention mention that Ash visibly opens up around Eiji. Uh, and you see this, like, uh, typical Bazillion fish. This is a very weird way to bond, but uh, they are just uh, taking shooting practice with each other. Uh, oh, yeah, when they go out to, like, yeah. rain or something. And next, I remember like, that, yeah. Uh, Cape Cod in the manga. Ashen's very happy when he's doing uh, relaxing. He's not jumping at the scent in the house uh, when he's by himself. And everyone else just says, if anyone is going to get Ash, you think Ash could say something, he's going to be. He seems very comfortable. And they seem to like each other. And there is one scene where uh, Eiji wakes up topless. Uh, and I think this is just because he sleeps. But uh, <laughs> it, it was just very strange seeing it out of context. Or even in context. I saw it in context. <laughs> But does Aji ask if he can hold Ash's gun in, like, the first meeting? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember that was charged in the anime. 
Also, talking about sexy things, we should probably mention there are a heck of a lot of content warnings for this series. Like, uh, Ash was sexually abused as a child. Like, Mm. we're told point blank he was a child sex slave. So there's that. There's violence, drug use. There's death, which includes both murder, and there may have been a suicide or two in there. So just, if people are interested, but they know they have one that triggers, I please look into this more before you go into it because there's a lot going on in the series and a lot of it is not happy. There's also wants to Ash temporarily, I believe, several times by one of Golzina's men at jail. Oh, did they have the super sexy, like, slip message out of jail kiss in the manga? They did. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I remember the anime put, like, extra emphasis on this. It's <laughs> <laughs> an awful long message he fit in that. I was reading that, like, maybe an hour ago. I'm like, man, he wrote a really long message yeah. on that very small piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, especially since the, the one side of the paper just says, it's for AG or whatever. It's like, <laughs> it didn't actually say it like that. But it just said, like, a uh, message for AG or whatever on the one side, and then he fit, like, an entire paragraph on the other. <laughs> I thought the same. Like, hmm, okay, well, you know, it's a comic. <laughs> yeah. Don't question the manga logic. Don't question the fact that he's kissing somebody he's barely ever met before, and assuming this guy's going to go along with his message to get it out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, the last thing I want to uh, banana fish is a technically a shoujo comic, and I found that very. Uh, it's got quite a big story. It's about it's about two cute guys doing stuff. That is very shoujo. Well, that's <laughs> absolutely. Like, it, it also has a lot of adult things. Uh, Corey, sometimes the teenage girls just really want to see gunfights. <laughs> <laughs> I speak from experience. Okay, I've been manga as a teenage girl. Uh, um. It ran, it ran in Japan in something called Besatsu Shoujo Comic, I guess it's called Betsukomi, um, published by Shogakukan, and it originally aimed at young girls, still technically called a magazine, marketed to than uh, what you with shoujo. I don't know, I feel like everybody goes through a period, like, as a teenager, where you read something that is suddenly much more adult than you expected, mm-hmm. and that just sort of, like, tempers your expectations of things going forward. So yeah, like in a weird way, I'm like, yeah, I could have seen myself reading Banana Fish in high school. Like, may not have been a good idea, but I could have seen it happening. I probably read, I don't know, I will always say Valley Portis was worse just for how long those sex scenes went on. <laughs> Did anyone else have anything on Banana before we move on to Golden Sheep? It's both a story about crime and a story about two boys being soft to each other. <laughs> or at least yeah. they was. Something I for think that's, Yeah, I think that's a good way, that's a good way to describe it. And I'm glad that it's back out there for folks to get. Mm-hmm. Instead of going on a treasure hunt across like six different library branches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Absurd amounts of that. All right, let's take a short break and. Welcome back, y'all. And now for our second, also animal-titled, but not really about animal manga of the night, we're talking about The Golden Sheep, which is published in the U.S. by Vertical. Um, the author is Kaori Ozaki, who previously did the one-shot The God's Lie, which I know we talked about probably over a year ago in the podcast, since I don't remember exactly when it was. It's a big and girl. What? It was a bit ago. <laughs> a bit ago. I thought you said a big ago at first. <laughs> I did too. I'm like, what? 
Uh, Sugu has recently moved back to her hometown, but under some pretty different circumstances than when she left. She, her mom, let's see, one sister and two of her nieces are now all living in a two-bedroom apartment in public housing. Her dad is out of the picture, and she meets up with these three childhood friends of hers who sent her off when she moved out of town. But stuff seems to have gone wrong for them, too, in the time that she's been away. Uh, since the story starts with this, co- another content warning, the story starts with an attempted suicide. So uh, I was in some ways not surprised since The God's Lie was sort of about like a middle school age girl keeping a secret that she had to bury her own grandfather in the backyard. So I'm kind of not surprised that the Golden Sheep decided to start out on such a note. But thankfully, I think that is the darkest part of the volume so far. Uh, it's the story of Sugu getting back to her old town, and things just don't feel right, you know. She's got kind of this restrictive life, doesn't really seem like anything's going right, like her friends are fighting in with each other, um, just generally not getting along. And at some point, she and one of the friends, Sora, say, screw it, and they just sort of take the midnight bus to Tokyo. And it looks like that's going to be where the following volumes are set at least for the moment, since this volume ends on a weird sort of cliffhanger in Tokyo. Uh, when I read this volume, I definitely told Corey and April that we're, we're going to be talking about this because this sounds like exactly the kind of series that we like to talk about in Manga in Your Ears, <laughs> especially since we'd already talked about The God's Lie. So was I right, y'all? Was this definitely the kind of series that grabs all three of us that we really like to talk about? Um, I wasn't sure in the beginning, but then you get towards the middle where you see we're all her friends have kind of changed and she's not aware of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is what I read. So, yeah, I think <laughs> you were right. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Miggle roll. There is a lot of classic rock sauce. And that just dragged me in immediately from page when the mover was like, I'm just playing Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, yes, I love this. <laughs> That's the longest one. Corey's an easy mark, y'all. I have no idea what year it is. <laughs> And you can't really blame Sugu for not noticing at first that her friends have changed since she sent out a letter saying, you know, if you want, come meet me again. And all three of them did. So you would think, great, they're already um, all ready to be friends again, that is. But no, everyone just seems to have changed. And like her female friend just seems to like, I don't know, just be bitchy for some reason. (laughs) Did not quite understand. (laughs) She seems to be jealous of Sugu possibly becoming closer to like the fourth party in their group who she's romantically interested in, which is just not something I ever understand. And then the fourth member of the group has also turned into kind of a bully since he was bullied because his father was like outed as a pedophile or something. Like, some of y'all need to go to therapy. <laughs> Not ashamed to say it. <laughs> and yeah, and I, and I can definitely understand Sugu's feelings, even though she never articulates them so fully. But in a, you know, kind of a, what the hell? Everything has changed and not for the better. And there's nothing I can do about it, but I don't want to live with this either. <laughs> I yeah, sound like that of, was a relatable feeling. It sort of reminds me of that idea of, like, you can't, it's kind of depressing, but that you can't, once you're gone, you can't really go home. Like, when you go back, it's not quite the same. And on the one hand, I thought she was a little naive for thinking nothing had changed, but it had changed so drastically. Like, you have these four friends, and you have, I don't, the the guy that's the bully now, which character is that? Uh, I think that might be Yushin. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, just to think Yushin. that that he's go- they've all gone from being friends to now he's bullying the other guy. I was like, okay, that's a large jump that she wouldn't have anticipated. And then the the 
girlfriend of hers. Eh, I can sort of understand where she's coming from, where maybe it's been the, the three of them for so long. Um, and then she comes back, and it seems like the one guy's interested in her, and the girl's like, well, now she's back, and blah, blah, blah. So that's the vibe that I got from her. But it just changed so drastically. I think if it would have been a story of, like, I've come back, and things have changed, but we're all friends, I don't think I would have been as interested in it. The fact that it sort of skewed depressing is what kind of hooked me into the story yeah same from initial glance at this i immediately thought uh, something like orange where you're uh, mm-hmm, yeah inserting a new like inserting uh the new king t- into uh an existing friend group and seeing how that changes dynamics um and in this case it changes their dynamics by being a friend group at all it seems uh, because it didn't, it didn't seem like they kept up with junior high because everything. Um, yeah, since Yushin, we know, definitely went to a different school and came back to the school that Sora was going to for high school. So they, they definitely hadn't seen each other for a number of years. And I never got the impression that Sora and Asari had hung out a lot. She seems like kind of the girl who hangs out exclusively with other girls just so they can, like, either talk about guys they like or talk shit about the guys they don't like together. <laughs> that seems very accurate. Yeah, she, she felt very betrayed by... What's the main character? Asari was the Asari. girl who just decides, you know, for the hell of it, let's out- ostracize her. Yeah, Asari it's seems like, like her, her... She was very sadly and now jealous at her react, so it's like, please leave. I'll- oh my god, Suku <laughs> was seen hanging out Yushin once. Oh my god, we now need to, like... Stick pads on her clothes to embarrass her in front yeah, of everybody was and really, not invite her to lunch. That's really, really mean. I remember being a teenager, and that would have been very embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, though, you know, you probably could scare off most of the boys in the class because if Japanese boys are anything like American boys, they are just terrified at the mere sight of pads as teenagers. That's true, and sometimes that doesn't Sorry, change when they're adults. <laughs> no, that is very accurate. I'm not sure if uh, a lot of my high school or even what that is or what the function was. <laughs> One of my friends told me that when they started having sex at in the fifth grade, the first question was one of the boys asked why the girls' bathrooms had candy machines in them. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as somebody who moved around a couple of times, and when I moved to North Carolina, I just got put into this class of, like, the worst class the school had ever had. I just always feel for stories where a character has come into a new situation, and it's weird. And I know that a lot of manga start off with new kid in town just since that's such an obvious place to start a story but few of them get what that really feels like and i feel like sugu's just confusion and being unsure where to even start to solve her confusion felt very realistic like it took me a while to figure out no my classmates are just fucking insane you know this wasn't something i could immediately pick up on <laughs> i mean i probably should have on the first day they demanded to know if i was a lesbian or not and would not let me go until i said if i was and i wasn't sure what the word meant but Yep, yeah, yeah. They, they reportedly need would have needed like five homerooms to split up all the bullies, but so yes, I emphasize with Sugu coming back into honestly an even shittier situation than mine. <laughs> so, do you guys have any predictions for where the story is going to go next? I know what? there's at least three volumes since I saw pre-orders are up for volumes two and three. I'm think... expecting they'll stick around in Tokyo for a while, but I don't know beyond that. It's kind of hard to get a grip on where the story's going. I think the only issue I had with this one, and I'm trying to figure out a way to talk about it without spoiling this, is towards the end, was uh, the... The acquaintance of Sugu's? I, I guess you could put it that way, or the, the family member that she dealt with at the end. I'm like, that's kind of random and took place over two pages. It just was kind <laughs> of... Uh, that felt really weird. I don't know. That really 
took me out of the story for a second. We're sort of dealing with her friends, and then you have this family member, and I'm like, where did – I don't – what happened? <laughs> you know, I flipped back like, wait a minute. It's only been two pages, you know. Well, considering Sora was as confused by that interaction that you were, I expect that's going to be a bigger plot point in the second volume. That was extreme. Although that also kind of reminds me of a certain character in The God's Lie. So yep. I guess those mm-hmm. just has a couple of like character types they like to write. <laughs> all this thing, Kaoru. Uh, yeah, Kaoru's up. Yeah, all, all of this thing, go back, Immortal Rain, and see if it was like this. Um, <laughs> but the first came out uh, interesting, and I don't remember it being this, like this, like The God's <laughs> Lie and Golden. She just like a completely. I forgot about I didn't even know that they'd had another work published in English. It was Tokyo Pop that explains why it would <laughs> But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if this is like a set of themes that they've just started writing about more recently, if they've had some sort of shift. And that's what's always fun when creators have the opportunity to have multiple works published in the U.S. since none of us here can read Japanese. So we can't exactly just go importing books from Amazon Japan yep. and being like, hey, this looks interesting. Well, not unless I want to just like point my phone at it the entire time and use Google Translate. <laughs> if I could do that, I would have way more books in my house than I'll read. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, any closing thoughts, guys? Um, I'm interested to see where this goes next. It's not like a, I must read the second volume now kind of feeling, but a, yeah, I definitely want to know what happens sort of feeling. Yeah, I think I that's pretty much where I am. I definitely think I'm going to read the next volume, but like you said, it's not like, oh, I have to know, but I'll, I'll definitely pick it up and take a look at it. Because I do kind of want to see where that goes. We've got a couple of threads there that aren't really resolved at the end of the first volume. And I sort of thought it was just going to be about her and her friends, and then it's expanded to include Tokyo and all that. So I, I'd like to see where it goes. Yep, same there. I, I didn't. I did not expect a sudden scenery change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was that was different. <laughs> I'm also very, um, it is extremely my thing. The uh, to that's exactly mentioning because everything. Second volume now. Still put this out. So December 10th. Go Corey, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, and so that's the show for this time around. We'll see if Corey has this out before the second volume is out. <laughs> uh, if you want to suggest any titles to us, if you want to chat about some of the titles that we've read that you've also read. Please go ahead and send us a tweet at Monkey in Your Ears on Twitter. Uh, I have been informed that apparently rating and reviewing on iTunes does not, in fact, make the podcast easier for other people to find. However, seeing ratings definitely gives us all an ego boost, so please keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also follow us individually on Twitter. Um, I'm at Wandering Dreamer, and I'm also doing manga and light novel reviews for the OASG, and I'm also on the OASG's podcast doing a real big push right now i've got entirely too many books in my backlog like the piles are getting alarmingly tall so i'm gonna have a lot of reviews coming out over there over the course of december actually my review of the golden sheep will probably be out right around the time this podcast comes out justin was holding off so he could actually read the volume before he read my review (laughs) editors and y'all where can people you can find me on twitter at mangio ren i am still alive i say that every episode just so people Know that. <laughs> Mind you, we're in hashtag uh-huh. I'm still alive. <laughs> right. You can find me on Twitter, Hat and Passion K, the podcast thing. Yes, I did. Okay. All right. All I got. Muscle um, memory. Uh, I tweet about a lot of manga and sports. <laughs> and occasionally, Helen decides to tweet about Chayafuru and forget and is unable to tag manga in your ears, and then Corey retweets all my um, Chayafuru tweets. I've still got more of those. I still need to do the rest of those. All right. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye, everybody. Me and